Thanks for joining Walt and me today. My name is Brenda McCord. Each week, we look forward to sharing lessons from God's Word. This podcast, Walk with God, is part of our ministry, Discover God's Truth. We invite you to visit the website and subscribe at discovergodstruth.org, where you can grow and be encouraged in your personal walk with the Lord. We appreciate the outreach ministry of TheAwakeningWorldwide.com. Welcome, friends. This weekly podcast, Walk with God, is now part of our new ministry, Discover God's Truth. You know, it's our desire to strengthen and encourage you through the teaching of God's Word. Would you please subscribe to the website, discovergodstruth.org? You know, we've shared the link for our website in the show notes. Today, Walt and I will continue in the book of 1 Peter. We're working our way through. We're going to wrap up chapter 1. You know, we are chosen And we are called to be holy. In verse 14 of chapter 1, we read these words, Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who is called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And I remember teaching on this before, but again, let, let's repeat this. Um, the, the Hebrew word here for holy is kadosh. It means unique. You're to be unique or distinct. You're to be distinct, not the same as others around you. You're to be separate. You're to be different. The way we live our lives is to look different than the world around us. We'll all face heartache and trial and temptation and other things, but the believer in Christ has the power to live a different call in his life. That's what our call should have a direct impact on how we live each day. You know, Peter heard Jesus share these words that are recorded in Matthew twenty four fourteen. He said this, many are called. And even before that, he's talking about these people that have been called and disobeyed the Lord. But he said, few are chosen, few that end up living a righteous life for the Lord. That's what God wants of us. Well, we're going to continue in chapter 1 now, beginning with verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You know, as chosen children, we call on God, we call on the Lord as Father, but we do that with reverence. We come before Him with an awe, reverential awe. He is the righteous judge. He does not show favoritism, but rather he will judge or reward according to each person's deeds. He will do it rightly. He will do it justly. We were ransomed from our sin-filled lives. Notice here that Peter refers to silver or gold as perishable. 
Jesus Christ has paid a price far greater than silver or gold. Yes, we even know by the precious blood of Christ. John the Baptist, he's in his ministry at the Jordan River. And as we begin in John chapter one, he's one day he's there ministering. There's people all around. And one day he saw Jesus coming toward him. And his words were this, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, every Jewish person standing in that crowd that day, they would have recognized this statement. This is a reflection back to Leviticus 22, a proper and an acceptable sacrifice. Leviticus 22, beginning in 19 The idea in these verses, you must present an unblemished and a spotless lamb to be accepted. It must be perfect. There should be no blemish in it. Whatever has a defect, you shall not offer for it will not be accepted. Jesus, the perfect lamb of God. And as we continue on in first Peter, verse 20 and 21 says this, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. You know, this phrase about he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Uh, Jesus had told them in, in John chapter 17, as he concludes his high priestly prayer, he says this, he says, Father, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed, that foreknown before the foundation of the world, that glorified Son, the eternal Son of God. God knew him, and through him, through our faith in him, we become believers in that God. We have a changed relationship. No longer is there enmity. No longer are we being judged. Now we're being accepted in his beloved son. And the father raised him from the dead and gave him glory, glory that he had before his incarnation, glory that he will have forevermore. And what we should take out of that so that your faith and hope are in God. Your faith in God, the foundation of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Father raised him. The Father's now glorified him. He's seated at the right hand of the Father on high. And the book of Hebrews says he ever lives to make intercession for us. That's what our glorified Savior does. And your hope, your hope in God, the hope of our future is based on God's glorification of his son, the father who gave him the glory back, the glory that he had always had with him. I love these words from him. My hope is in the Lord. It's not a very well-known hymn, but it has some precious words. Listen to this. My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me, and he paid the price of all my sin at Calvary. No merit of my own, his anger to suppress my only hope. My only hope is found in Jesus and his righteousness. You know, in the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul talks about this in in verse 27 of the first chapter. He said, Christ in you, that's the hope of glory. There's something that God wants to replicate in you that brings glory to him 
and is a witness to the world around us. God is preparing a glorious future for his people. Peter wants us to know that God is preparing a glorious future for you and me as we trust him, as we walk in him. That's what Peter is challenging the readers of his epistle. And, you know, well, even as I go back and I think of the words of that hymn, my hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me and paid the price of all my sin at Calvary. And there's there's something to be said just sitting in that because Peter is what? He's giving instruction to his readers, and that includes us today. You know, you and me and each of you who are listening, how should we live? And Brenda, one of the things we've been talking about, we love, really are enjoying studying this book together. And and you say, well, you should enjoy every time you study the Word of God. But we both keep using the same phrase. It's so rich. It's so full of imagery that should stir our hearts and should challenge us to, to really have a godly affection that our hope is in the Lord, that that he did give himself for me, and that God has glorified him, and someday God will glorify us. I mean, if you can't get excited about that, if that isn't rich in your heart and in your mind, there's something wrong. Yeah, and Peter here, as we are getting to the end of chapter 1, he's given instruction. How should we live? Well, first of all, and I reviewed it at the top of today's message, be holy in our conduct. Be holy. How, how do we do that? How we have to be in his word. And we're going to, we're going to get to that here in these next couple verses, but we're going to talk about his word, who, how it teaches us and helps us know how to live. But then too is we're to show reverence to God. And I just referred to that, that reverential awe. Why he is, he is the judge. He is just. He is holy. We've used that word, kadosh, here today. He's just. He's holy. He is righteous. And he is worthy of our reverence and of our awe. He commands us then to love in these next verses. Verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. You know, first of all, here we see the message of Jesus' death and resurrection is life-giving. It it gives us life. What? We are dead in our trespasses and sin. But when we receive this gift of forgiveness, we are born again. We are called into a new relationship with God. He is now our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord. Your soul has been purified. Yeah, washed clean. Yeah. And how should we live? Well, we, we should live. We don't have, we don't have dirt all over our hands and feet anymore, right? We've been purified. And then next he says that we're to have sincere brotherly love. This is a God given rebirth and we have obedience to God's written word. And then it flows right into the next phrase, love one another earnestly from a 
pure heart. And I love these words that Jesus shares in John 13, beginning in 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I, Jesus, have loved you, so you must love one another. Yeah, it's not optional. It's commanded. It's mandatory. This is a command. And Peter's restating this. I mean, he heard Jesus say those words. And now he's sharing it after Jesus has ascended to heaven and Peter is doing the ministry Jesus called him to. And then this other thought from 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. Now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. These are Paul's words, right? To the Thessalonians. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, to love each other. You do love all of God's family. Yet we urge you to do so more and more. We can just keep loving one another more. We can, God has taught us to love, and so we should love others. How? Through the living and abiding word of God. Listen to these words from Isaiah 55, beginning in verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but rather they water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. It shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And, you know, I I just want to share a head to heart here. And, you know, it's even hard for me to talk about this because it's it's a commitment. It's something that that I want to do this year. And that is how do I remain in God's word? How do we abide in his word? Well, we read the Bible, we meditate on passages of scripture, and we memorize Bible verses. And there are a lot of different Bible reading schedules available for us. We can you can Google them. There in the backs of your Bibles that you um, may have even sitting on your shelves at home. But this year, I, I have actually begun a new Bible reading plan, different from any schedule I've ever followed before. And I'm really enjoying this new format. I'll tell you, some days I stay right on schedule, and then there are some other days I lag behind. But it is my desire, my heart desire, to stay on target. Why? I want to abide in God's living word so that I can grow stronger and I can mature in my walk with him and be encouraged. And you know, even as you say that, Brenda, the last two verses of this chapter, chapter one of First Peter, give you that reason why it's so important to do that. Verse 24 and 25, for all flesh is like grass. Our flesh is just like grass. It grows, it's healthy, and then all of its glory like the flower of grass. Yes, there can be some glory in our younger years when we're young and strong, but remember this, that the grass will wither and that the flower fades. But, and this is a huge contrastive but, but the word of the Lord remains forever. That's what changes you. That's what transforms you. The sword of God's word cuts through the stuff of life and reminds us of what is true and what is really important. 
Uh, Peter here is quoting the words of Isaiah in chapter 40, written over 700 years before Peter penned these words. Peter is referring back to that, and he's telling something that most of the people of the Middle East would have seen and would understand. In May of 2000, I went to Israel for seven weeks training to lead Bible study trips. Brendan, I've led over 35 trips to Israel. We love doing that. And I remember specifically May 14th because that's my birthday. And I was up on top of the hotel celebrating my birthday with a cupcake and just enjoying the beauty of the, 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 the view from the top of our hotel. And we were in jackets. It was a cool evening on the rooftop in Jerusalem on May 14th. On May 15th, the wind shifted and blew in from the desert. They were blowing in at 35 to 40 miles an hour. The temperature hit 110 degrees with virtually no humidity. Think about like having a, a hair dryer blow on high right into your face. And within a day, you could see the grass wither. You could see the flowers fade. You could see that and understand that, yeah, yesterday was a beautiful spring day. Today is the worst day of summer. It feels like that. But God's reminding us that the word of the Lord remains. It's a good word that Peter said was preached to you. It's a word that changes and transforms your life. That's what we need to be digging into, and that's why we have this ministry. We want to dig into it with you, and we want to challenge you. Go to God's word, experience it. At the first few words of Isaiah chapter 40, it's comfort, my comfort, my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. Speak kindly to my people that are listening. That's what the word of God offers. It offers comfort in difficult days. And that's what we want to encourage you with. You know, as we conclude this first chapter in Peter his first Peter, we'll, it's first and second Peter, but we're finishing this very first chapter. Peter commands for Christians to live in a specific way. He tells us first, we're to be holy. God is holy. God has chosen us. We are his, and therefore we are to live in a holy manner. We are to conduct ourselves in a holy manner, a holy way. You know, our Father will judge rightly. And so we are to live in reverential awe of God. We've been saved by grace, and we are to walk in good works in order to stand before the judge someday. And then that third application of how we should live, we are to love one another from a pure heart. We're commanded to love others with the love of Christ Well, that's quite a first chapter here in Peter that we've walked through these past weeks. What a good challenge. Yes. Let me close in prayer. And I pray this from the beginning of chapter one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came to be that spotless lamb who paid the ultimate sacrifice. You have given yourself so that we could be born again to a living hope. You have resurrected, Father, you have resurrected your Son, Jesus Christ, from the dead, and you have sent your Holy Spirit to dwell in us. He came to be our helper, to strengthen us and help us to live life here on this earth. No matter how many trials we face, the troubles, the difficulties of our day, 
we know that the Lord is with us. You will not leave us or forsake us. You've given us your word. Help us to abide in your word each day. And we commit our way to you now, Lord, and ask that you would help us to be faithful in our walk with God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this lesson from God's Word. Walk with God is part of the teaching ministry of Discover God's Truth. Visit our website at discovergodstruth.org. We appreciate the outreach ministry of theawakeningworldwide.com.